Good morning. Ooh. Now, check. There we go. Everything is good. It's funny because it works very well the first service, but there's more people in here and it changes things. So anyway, let's start over. Fresh, new start. Good morning, church. Hey, I want to embarrass a couple people. I, I might change my mind now because of that happened. But I just want to say, hey, let's give a shout out to the tech team. That's Nick back there. <laughs> I honestly had this planned out, but I'm like, oh, should I now? And then, and then we, also have, um, we also have our video team back there, and they do a great job. Uh, if you're tuning in from online, from Facebook and YouTube, welcome. Welcome to Evident Church. I'm glad that you are dialing in today, tuning in, however you say it. But all right, my name is Nate Tunison. I'm one of the leaders here, and um, we are in a m- the middle of a series right now called I Believe. And what I Believe has been, it's been going through an amazing journey through the awesome Gospel of John, and we've been uncovering different truths that are about Jesus and, and us and how we should live as Christians along the way. And we have a lot of ground to cover today. I'm sorry, there's going to be a lot of page flipping. I'm sorry, I'm going to warn you now. So I want to get right into it, though. So open up your Bibles to John chapter 3. Oh my gosh, people are opening Bibles and not like swiping screens. That's awesome. That's amazing. Last week, um, Josh taught an awesome message about how we should be angry about our sin. And a good definition of sin is missing the mark. Do we have any like hunters, any like archers in here, archery, shooting bows? Missing the mark. So just picture it this way. The bullseye is being the perfect will of God and the law, and anything outside of that bullseye is sin. We're missing that mark. And the only way we can correct this issue is hitting that bullseye every time, hitting that mark, fixing your aim, and by doing that, you do, do that through repentance, uh, which basically just means changing your mind about sin to stop uh, sin, and to pursue holiness. And this week, we're going to go over the most beautiful topic of the entire Bible. We'll go over how repentance uh, can even happen in the first place, um, how we can have a righteous standing with God the Father. Because last week, the message we received from John last week uh, created a problem, and it's not a new one. It's been a problem since the beginning fall of man, and that problem is that God is just. He is good, and he is holy. Now, before you guys, like, shoo me off the stage, um, that might not sound like a problem, but actually it is, because as we discussed last week, we are all sinners. And in fact, on our very best day, we do not hit that mark on our very best day. So the question is, what does a righteous, just God do with human sinners? If he is to judge righteously, we don't stand a chance. And that's where today's text comes in. I did this last week where I didn't open up my Bible, but you guys did. So let's read out of John chapter 3. We're going to do verses 1 through 18. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. 
How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks. Surely they, can't, uh, they cannot enter in a second time into their mother's womb. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. He's saying the same thing over again. Unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you don't understand uh, these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, this being Jesus and the disciples, and we testify what we have seen, but still you people don't, uh, do not accept our testimony. I have spoken the word of earthly, if I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, and we're going to talk about that later. Just as Moses lifted up the snake into the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to the world's... Uh, for, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this challenging text. We thank you that you reveal yourself and your will through the words of the Bible to us, Lord. We thank you for your righteousness. We thank you that you are a just and holy God work through us today, Lord, as, as we go through this and we start talking about and thinking over these things. May the Holy Spirit will work within us to reveal something new. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we just read an account of Nicodemus talking with Jesus, and they're basically nerding out over some Old Testament theology, and spoiler, Jesus is winning, just like he always does. But an important thing to remember is that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish teacher, and he knew his stuff. Not only that, he was part of the Sanhedrin, which is like a high class of Pharisees. And in this conversation, Jesus is bringing the heat. He's bringing the heat, and he's basically addressing the problem we just talked about. You know, what is God supposed to do with a world full of sinners? A just, a just God would only be able to judge and condemn sinners. And this, like, really had to frustrate Nicodemus because he was the elite. Like, he believed that what he was doing was right. You know, he was following the law. He, he was living a righteous life. He knew his Torah, like, inside and out. I mean, he was doing everything. However, Jesus didn't think so. So what are we supposed to do? If, like, the religious elite of his time was doing everything right, he thought he was living a great life. What are we supposed to do? John Calvin, he, uh, he put the situation best by saying, there is nothing in us that is not defective. Welcome to church, everybody. 
Like, like I'm just like, I'm just doing a great job of making everybody feel bad. But what we're supposed to do is right in the middle of today's text. And it's the main point of my message today. If I want you leaving with one thing, it's, it's this, that the life of a Christ follower is one produced from a second birth. A life of a Christ follower is one produced of a second birth. To make that as in its simplest form, every person must be born again. Now we saw that that concept didn't agree well with someone who knew their Bible. But for the first century Jew, the idea of like being born again wasn't even on their radar. It really wasn't. However, there are places within the Old Testament that clearly says that this was going to happen, that we need to be uh, born again. My oldest son, Zachary, uh, we have a picture of him up right here. He's about to turn four in less than a month. Um, this boy is absolutely obsessed with dot-to-dots. So for Christmas, like, we got him a whole, like, thick book of dot-to-dots, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating in any shape, way, or form. He was done with it within a day. He spent hours. It was amazing. It was like the best babysitter that we didn't even have to like pay for, like not, not that much, but he was really into it. But the only thing is, when he ran out of it, he, he still wanted to do dot to dots. So my whole holiday, we have another picture, I was drawing like custom dot to dots for him. And, and he loved it, like, but that's how I spent Christmas on. But the point is, Nicodemus, he had the information to him about second birth, and it's scattered throughout the Old Testament. And when you connect the dots, the dot to dot, you get a picture of what Jesus is trying to tell us in this text. The big picture here that Jesus is really trying to tell us is that salvation has been bought through the grace of the Father, through the acts of Jesus Christ. That while we were still sinners, Jesus came to save you. He came to save me came to save us. It is love unimaginable. It is love completely undeserving, and it leads to a joy everlasting. It is the gospel. It is like the good news, and we didn't have to do anything for it. It was all done by God through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer, and I want to go over just how beautiful this text is. We're going to go through all that all over again, that those verses in, in John. I'm going to warn you, there's a lot of page flipping. We might be going into the Old Testament too, but it is so important to grasp how awesome Jesus' acts on the cross are. So we're going to do that. We're going to go over a spiritual rebirth, and we're going to go over it in three ways. The acts of the works of the Spirit, the works of Jesus, and the works of the Father. You guys ready? Yeah. You still with me, church? Come on, let's go through it. The first is the work of the Spirit. John 3, 5 through 8 says, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, You must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where, where it comes from or where it's going. So it is... Uh, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So first thing that we can see here is that of the absolute necessity of being born of the water and of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that nobody can enter the kingdom of God 
without it. There won't be, uh, we, we won't be in a righteous standing with God without it. The stakes are just that high. And, you know, there's also like a little jab to Nicodemus because, again, he thought, he thought he was doing everything right. And it's like Jesus is telling him, like, hey, I know how righteous you think you are, but you still miss that mark. You can't have the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And just for an extra plug, just a little plug in church, we live in the kingdom of God. It is here now. It's not something that's going to happen later. Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. You can have the joy of being in the kingdom of God here and now. But often we don't see that. Also, often we don't live in that way, and it's a shame. And this, this stumped Nicodemus because in the first century, like a first century Jew thought that the kingdom of God was something that was going to be brought into by the Messiah and that it would kick like the end of times living. Jesus also tells us that we will be washed and born again by the Holy Spirit. Um, that's in some Old Testament theology in Ezekiel 36. I have it up on the screen here. It says, For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. That's the joy, church. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. Church, this is spiritual rebirth. It is kingdom living. It is God fulfilling his promise to save his children once and for all. I mean, listen to what it says. It tells us that he's going to clean us from our impurities. He's going to clean us of our sins. He's going to give us a new heart of flesh, and he will put a new spirit in us. I mean, that is pure hope. His children will be reborn, and the Holy Spirit will come in us and move us into, uh, to follow his ways. I love that, uh, that verse. The Hebrew for uh, move us to follow his decrees actually means to manufacture us in a way that will keep his law. Manufacturing is a process. That's what the beauty of that teaching is to take small step into big successes. Uh, I work for the big three, and I know that you don't just make a car. There's processes. You gather material, you make the stamp, then you stamp the hood and the roof and, and everything in it, then you start assembling. It doesn't just happen, but at the end of it, you move toward completion. And that's what the Spirit is doing within us now. When you become a believer, when you experience a second birth, you take small steps forward until you're going to be complete, until you're with God the Father for eternity. And this is also where repentance comes into, what we talked about last week. Uh, because when we're not following the works of the Holy Spirit, we're in the wrong standing with God. I mean, it's that simple. But we're called to follow into the ways of Jesus. So when we backslide, that's New Testament language, when, when we sin, we need to repent and continue forward in the right direction. And the only way we can do that is the works of the Son. That's the next point. The works of the Son. 
verses 10 through 15 in John, in John 3. You are Israel's, Israel's teacher, and said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? That was like a little punch, right, to Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except from the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. To start off, who is Jesus saying that he is here? To the moderator, some of this stuff might have been tricky. You know, what's the, what's the deal with the Son of Man? What's the deal with a snake being lifted up um, by Moses? I mean, but to Nicodemus, that term, those terms meant something to him. Let's look at Daniel 7. Daniel is having a vision of heaven here, and this is what it says. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man. There's where that term comes from. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All the nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. He's saying that he is the Son of Man that was written in this prophecy that was that took that that was written hundreds of years before he even existed. That he was given authority to bring us back to God the Father, or else we would be lost without it. Let's let's move on to that other that other um, passage about the serpent being lifted up. It was like an aha moment for Nicodemus. That comes straight out of Numbers 21, and this is where it starts getting really good. It says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route of the Red Sea to go through Adam, but people grew impatient along the way. They spoke against God and Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. <laughs> and then the Lord, imagine this, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. Like, can you imagine if that happened to you? That would be like the scariest thing ever. I hate snakes. Anyway, the, peop <laughs> the people who came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snake away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And this is how it followed. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Where does that sound familiar? that anyone who was bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And when everyone, and for anyone who was bitten by a snake, when they looked at it, they lived. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be that, but for all of mankind. <coughs> Israel was lost and dead. They had no hope. They were righteously judged by a just God. And this speaks of every single person who lives in this world today. We are judged by a just God. But the good news is, is that Jesus, he's also saying that I am the great redeemer. 
I am like that bronze snake, the one who will be put on a pole. It couldn't be any clearer. I will be put on a cross, and all will see me, and those who see me for who I truly am will be saved. They will live. They will be reborn into the kingdom, not by their own accord, but by the Father's will. Church, that is the gospel. He was spelling it out for somebody who already knew these things, and they still didn't see him. Jesus was using key phrases to catch his attention. I mean, that term lifted up in verse 14 is only used a handful of times in the Bible. And one of it's in Isaiah. It says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exhausted. exalted. Jesus is clearly pointing out that he is the Messiah that we have been waiting for, but the world does not see him. And I wish I could say that for our world today, that, that we're different, <laughs> but the honest truth is that far too many times, we are still blinded by the so-called riches of this world. Things that can only bring us temporary happiness. And it can rob us from, the, from eternal happiness. And it's terrible. It's terrible. And I'm not saying that we have to be hard on ourselves and that we can't do anything fun and exciting, but I think it's wise to check where you stand with God. To enjoy time being with him to pray to him, to talk to him, to be in his word, to be growing. It is what the Father wants from us. It is why God went through these amazing lengths for us to be in a righteous standing with him. And that's the last point we're going to look at, the, the work of the Father. Everybody knows this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. I look at this and I always ask myself, why? Why would God do this? Why would God go through such lengths to save me? And the answer is that he loves his creation. If we really dive deep into the word, we see time and a t- time again and again where God is rescuing his people. And while he could have done that from the start, right? He really could have. I feel it has always been his plan to have us involved as well. It reminds me of like the small arguments that married couples get into when they first get married. Does anybody like know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Perfect marriage in the like back left corner. No, but it's usually over like dishes or laundry. And one, one person literally uh, typically gets stuck doing it all. And it always comes down to this one saying in the argument. It's, I don't want to have to ask you to do it. I want you to want to do it. Nobody has been there before, right? <laughs> no, and I, I feel like that is, that is that, that human will that God gives us is that we will draw back to worship God the Father. And that leads me to my last step here. It's a question I have for anybody, everyone here. 
have you been born again? It is the most important question you can ask yourself. And I don't know where everybody stands here. I really don't. Or what you believe in. But regardless to if you believe this or not, it is important to just take a second and see if you've been born again. If you've experienced a second birth. And in a few minutes, I'm going to pray. But first, I want everybody to take a check with themselves and see where do you stand with God? Have you put genuine faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who sacrificed himself bearing the cup of God's wrath and all of our sins for all of mankind to redeem us? Jesus, who now intercedes for us to be in a righteous standing with God. That is the good news that today we can live in a righteous standing with God. It's amazing. It is amazing. Not because of what we did or what we'll ever do, but because of what Jesus already did for us. Maybe you're here today and you're unsure where you stand with God, and that's fine. That's perfectly normal. But I'd like to challenge you. What's, what's keeping you from being in the right standing with God? Maybe it's something that you need to repent of. Maybe you just feel like you're lacking in growth, all of which can be handled. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you feel like you're at a point where you want to experience a second birth, to be born again, I'm going to open up the space to do so. Or maybe you're sitting here and you want to recommit yourself to God. Maybe there's some things that you've been doing that you know you shouldn't be, that you need to repent of. Church, there is grace for that. The works of Christ buys that sin. But let me be very clear. Prayer alone doesn't save you. I want, I want to be very clear that it's only through the acts of Jesus Christ to redeem us of our sin that saves us. It's only through his acts that we have a spiritual rebirth. We just read about it. But honestly, church, I can't think of a better way to start your, uh, your second birth, to be reborn again, than to talking with God. And that's what we're going to do. So let's pray. All heads bowed. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in a righteous standing with you, to make a way for our sins to be forgiven. I pray at this time, Lord, do a good work within us. Lord, you know your children here. You know each and every person in this room. And there may be some people here who want to commit or maybe even recommit themselves to you to pursue spiritual rebirth, to accept the works of Jesus Christ in their lives, that he is the only way to you and to believe that he is Lord and that you have raised him from the dead. And with heads still bowed, I'll look, I'd like to open up a time for anyone who wants to pray for the first time as a new believer or wants to recommit to a righteous standing with God. If you would be willing to, would you raise your hand if you're taking that step to know Christ so that I can pray for you. I'm not going to do it in a way to embarrass you. We're going to pray this prayer as a group of believers. So if you will, would you raise your hand?
We're going to take a minute to really see where we stand with God. All right, church, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we have a redeemer. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. To save us. To make a way. To make a way for us to live in the kingdom of God. Here and now. At this time and at this place. And that we'll be with you forever. Lord, you know all your children here. You know where they stand with you. Maybe there's something preventing them from knowing you and to be in a a greater relationship with you, Lord, but there's something just holding them back. Lord, I pray that you work within that person, that you claim your son or you claim your daughter to bring them to you, to wash their sins clean, to be forgiven. And we thank you for this great privilege that we could even do that in the first place. We pray this all in Jesus' great name. Amen.